0: Praised be delusion, the ripple. Praised be the holy ocean of eternity. Praised be I, writing, dead already and dead again.
1: Hello and welcome to The Pojo Show, a collection of poetry, fiction, drama, and spoken word. I'm Jedediah Smith and I'm here with my co-host and co-producer, Batty Royale. The Pojo Show is primarily a podcast, which we're posting on YouTube for the time being until we can find a podcast service that we can live with. The show grew out of my old broadcast FM radio show on poetry. What I did then, and we do now, is spin discs of recorded poetry, just like a DJ would play songs. Each week we'll focus the poem selections around a motif, Mix the poetry, spoken word, and drama, and other forms of spoken literature with music and sounds, and present it to you as an integrated whole.
2: This week, as part of our series inspired by responses to the coronavirus, our motif is isolation, since that's something that we've all been dealing with. We'll be playing poems that have to do with loneliness, being stir-crazy, getting a little weird with isolation, but also more serious poems about imprisonment and oppression that go way beyond the difficulties of staying home stuck in a small trailer with your in-laws. We'll be playing poems by Russell Edson, Robert Pinsky, Avon Boland, Maya Angelou, Nazim Hikmet, Roke Dalton, Amiri Baraka, and more.
1: We'll start with Kenneth and reading his Lonesome Boy Blues. This is the version he recorded for his first poetry jazz record, in 1957, with Alan Ferguson and the Chamber Jazz sextet. He also recorded a second version with Alan Neal's band for another poetry jazz record, and he toured extensively with both groups, as well as playing a series of shows with Charles Mingus. Before we play the piece, I'd like to read from a few reviews of his performances, starting with Ralph Gleason, probably the most respected jazz critic ever, who said, quote, I think this technique presents possibilities of an entirely new medium of expression, a combination of jazz and poetry that would take nothing away from either form, but would create something entirely new. Then from Larry Smith's biography of Patchen, where he quotes the critic and poet John Ciardi, saying, quote, Patchen's poetry is in many ways unnatural for jazz accompaniment. Most of it is written not metrically, but in phrase groups that adapt naturally to jazz rhythms. He also cites Patchen's powerful voice as capable of musical sounds and credits his sharp sense of timing. Quote, A gentle and easy voice, always deeply concerned for the natural rhythms of speech, yet kept exciting by small modulations and by a superb sense of timing. I read all this to set up a few comments later on, but for now, let's listen to the poetry
0: Lonesome Boy Blues. pocket to put little pieces of nice things that have never really happened to anyone except those people who were lucky enough not to get born. Oh, lonesome's a bad place place to get crowded into with only yourself, riding back and forth on a blind white horse along an empty road, meeting all your pals face to face.
1: afternoon since the fern can't go to the sink for a drink of water i graciously submit myself to the task bringing two glasses from the sink and so we sit the fern and i sipping water together Of course, I'm more complex than a fern, full of deep thoughts as I am, but I lay this aside for the easy company of an afternoon friendship I don't mind sipping water with a fern Even though, had I my druthers, I'd be speeding through the sky for Stockholm, Sipping a Bloody Mary with a wedge of lime. And so we sit, one lonely afternoon, sipping water together. The fern looking out of its fronds, and I looking out of mine.
3: It's a Romanian philosophy of the future. the same philosophy that says that if you are Romanian, you um, can be born in the city or in the country. If you're born in the city, that's fine. If you're born in the country, you have two possibilities. You can stay in the village and die of hunger, or you can go to, into the army If you stay in the village, that's fine. If you go into the army, then you have two possibilities. You can stay behind the desk or get sent to the front. If you stay behind the desk, that's fine. If you get sent to the, of the front, then you have two possibilities you can get wounded or you can get killed if you get killed uh, that's fine if you get wounded then you have two possibilities you can die slowly or you can die fast if you die slowly that's fine if you die fast then you have two possibilities you can get thrown into a common grave or you can get your own hole if you get your own hole that's fine if you get thrown into a common grave then you have two possibilities you can get a tree to grow out of you or nothing will grow out of you if A tree grows out of you, that's fine. If nothing grows out of you, you have two possibilities. This is a game that the Romanians played for a year, waiting in line for food. They would just sit and wait. And the idea was to keep it going until you got to the door and you got your bone and went home.
2: was Andrei Cadrescu with a piece called Two Possibilities from a CD he put out in 1992 called No Tacos for Saddam. It was on the Gang of Seven label, which was an experiment in producing a series of spoken word albums. The label was started by William Ackerman known for Wyndham Hill, the New Age music label. Gang of Seven released CDs by people like Spalding Gray, Tom Beaudet, and Linda Berry.
1: Before Kudrescu, I read a prose poem called One Lonely Afternoon by Russell Edson from his book The Rooster's Wife. Edson wrote that kind of humorous poem in the tradition that includes Ogden Nash, Edward Lear and Lewis Carroll. In his use of the prose poem Fable, which this one was, uh, he said that one of his greatest inspirations was Kenneth Patchen. And so we played his lonesome boy blues at the top.
2: We'll start this next set with a Robert Pinsky poem called Samurai Song, which is about detachment and loss and a strategy for surviving such loss. Pinsky would seem to be inspired by Patchen since he reads it live in concert with a small jazz combo.
4: When I had no roof, I made audacity my roof. When I had no roof, I made audacity my roof. When I had no supper, my eyes dined. When I had no supper, my eyes dined. When I had no E.I.s, I listened. When I had no ears, I thought. When I had no thought, I waited. When I had no father, I made care my father. When I had no mother, I embraced order. When I had no friend, I made quiet my friend, when I had no friend, I made quiet my friend, when I had no enemy, when I had no enemy, I opposed my body. no temple, I made my voice my temple, I have no priest, my tongue is my choir. When I have no means, fortune is my means. When I have no means, fortune is my means. When I have nothing When I have nothing Death will be my fortune Need is my tactic Detachment is my strategy When I had no lover I courted my sleep. When I had no roof, I made audacity my roof. When I had no supper, my eyes dined. When I had no eyes, I listened. When I had no ears, I thought. When I had no thought, I waited.
5: Uh, This poem follows a a book that was published really at the beginning of the 20th century, A Memoir of the Famine, and it follows very briefly a couple of young people who left the workhouse in 1847, walked back to their cabin, and were found dead in the morning, a very bitter winter. But when they were found, he had held uh, his wife's feet against his breast to try to warm them as, as she died. And that's what made the comment. And that becomes the end of the story for them. This is called quarantine. In the worst hour of the worst season of the worst year of a whole people, a man set out from the workhouse with his wife. He was walking. They were both walking north. She was sick with famine fever and could not keep up. He lifted her and put her on his back. He walked like that. West and west and north, until at nightfall, under freezing stars, they arrived. In the morning, they were both found dead, of cold, of hunger, of the toxins of a whole history. But her feet were held against his breastbone. The last heat of his flesh was his last gift to her. Let no love poem ever come to this threshold. There is no place here for the inexact praise of the easy graces and sensuality of the body, there is only time for this merciless inventory. Their death together in the winter of 1847, also what they suffered, how they lived, and what there is between a man and woman, and in which darkness it can best be proved.
6: Lying, thinking last night how to find my soul a home where water is not thirsty and a bread loaf is not stone. I came up with one thing and I don't believe I'm wrong. That nobody but nobody can make it out here alone. Alone alone, nobody, but nobody, can make it out here, alone, there are some millionaires with money they can't use, their wives run round like banshees, their children sing the blues They've got expensive doctors to cure their hearts of stone. But nobody, no nobody can make it out here alone. Alone, all alone. Nobody but nobody can make it out here alone. Now, if you listen closely, I'll tell you what I know. Storm clouds are gathering, and the wind is gonna blow. The race of man is suffering, and I can hear the moan, cause nobody, but nobody, can make it out here alone. Alone, all alone, nobody, but nobody, can make it out here alone.
2: is the Maya Angelou poem Alone, read and produced for a video by a young woman named Tebow Kay. Before that, we played Avon Boland reading her poem Quarantine on the NewsHour on PBS. Even though it's a poem about the Irish Famine, it's become one of those go-to poems in recent months with the coronavirus for its story of sacrifice and loneliness and isolation.
1: And we started with a poem by Robert Penske, who read live with a small jazz combo. And it's a piece I really like, but in reading about the two albums of poetry and jazz that Pinsky has recorded, I was really surprised that he and his producers and his musicians and even jazz critics writing about it somehow have the idea that he's a pioneer in this form that's been around at least since the 1930s when Langston Hughes was performing it or when Kenneth Patchen was recording it in his apartment before World War II, or Rexroth, Ferlinghetti, and Kerouac in the 1950s. So let's let's dispense with the producer first. He, by name Richard Connolly, says that he invented the word poem jazz in 2011. Okay, so that's ridiculous. As for the critics about Pinsky's album... Uh, one says, if the blending of poetry and jazz conjures images of smoky Greenwich Village coffee houses where Jack Kerouac wannabes bleat to bongo beats, park that cliche. Another critic, a different critic, says something so similar. It's like they're trading notes. He says, quote, somewhat haunted by the specter of beat affectations, The marriage of jazz and poetry can tip easily into unintentional parody. Beware the dreaded bongos. I mean, what a load of shit. Uh, First off, the combination of poetry and jazz in the past does not belong solely to the beat movement. Hughes, Patchen, Rexroth were not beats by any definition of the term. And Kerouac, who did coin the term beat, did serious, excellent jazz-based work with Al Cohn, Zoot Sims, and David Amram, all without bongos, I might add. And I'm in agreement with biographer Gerald Nicosia, who said Kerouac's most musical, most jazz-like recording was readings on the Beat Generation, where he used no instruments. It was just his naked voice. Now, Pinsky himself apparently is uh, caught up in this hubris, Uh, He talks about his album, saying, quote, it's closer to rap because you're using the voice as an instrument, which sounds to me like an obsequious bit of political fashionability. And then he says, it's not rap, but it's more like that than a beat performance. Oh, well. And on his website, the blurb for the album reads, The poet's performances are rich with spontaneous touches, worthy of Ella Anita O'Day, or more accurately, Mark Murphy. Which I find especially ironic since Murphy hero-worshipped Kerouac, so why are they bashing Kerouac in these quotes, and did some of his best work on albums where he liberally quoted Kerouac, and Murphy did use bongos and did cover beat exploitation characters like Lord Buckley, so get educated, Pinsky, and get over yourself. The performances are good, they're artful, but they're nothing new. Jazz poetry has been around for a long, long time as a very notable and honorable uh, genre in and of itself. And you should honor the giants whose shoulders you stand on.
2: So take that, Binsky. And I rather like bongos anyway. I know that's not the point here, but I rather like bongos. Right. Spy jazz. Not just spy jazz. For a long time, I wanted to do a one-woman show called sabbath bongo sabbath where i played entirely black sabbath covers just with my voice and bongos
1: that's right i remember that we'll make that happen
2: it was going to be fire so if any of you readers have any bongos send them along so i can make that dream happen
1: send the drums yeah all right whatever
2: send the drums
0: That's what I want to talk to you about.
2: We're going to continue with our motif of isolation in our final set of this episode on The Pojo Show. But we're moving into the context of prison and oppression rather than pandemic. We'll start with a poem by Nazim Hikmet, who's probably best known in America for his poem, I Come and Stand at Every Door, about the ghost of a little girl killed by the atomic bomb at Hiroshima. He was a writer who openly stated his beliefs, and so he was often imprisoned and exiled by his homeland of Turkey. We'll be playing part of his poem, Since I've Been in Jail, read on the streets of Aurora, Colorado.
4: Since I've been in jail, the world has turned around the sun 10 times. And if you ask the earth, it will say, It's not worth mentioning, a microscopic time, and if you ask me, I will say, it's ten years of my life. I had a pencil the year I came to jail. It wore out in a week from writing, and if you ask the pencil, it will say, a whole life And if you ask me, I will say it's nothing but a mere week. Since I've been in jail by Nazim Hikmet. Letter to Nazim Hikmet. Comrade Nazim.
7: This morning I recall your house in Paradelquino, resembling the heart of a gigantic pine forest. I remember the ample fraternity of your Antarctic eyes, your crystalline poetry. I take care of your gifts, the colorful wooden spoon and the picture of Lenin, and I hope the awesome clay head from Itzalco that I left in your hands speaks to you often about my poor country and its bitter bread. Comrade Nazim, I write this from the neighborhood of sudden dread from the fifth cell block in the central penitentiary of El Salvador. I couldn't do this before when I was free because feeling playful and bubbly at liberty one cannot raise words to the high occasion of prisoners, the old prisoners who Like you showed the way to see prison as one more tiny step of stone on the road to winning a little of the future freedom for everyone. They've held me prisoner, comrade, for 19 days now. The same ones who brand the dark rose, heart of our country, with red hot irons and acids, who stole my freedom as though it were simply an object, and surrounded me with hatred, guards, and walls, and took from me the currents of the wind, the stars, the streets, the eyes of girls, the downpours of these latitudes that look for our flesh only to find fire. And here I am, with the poor murderer in spite of him, with the thief, the rapist, and the ignorant one. Sharing our daily mire and insults. Combining our breathing with the usual outcries from behind bars. Watching the days pass like exhausted swallows. Pathetic wings. Accused of anything for having loved hope and defended life. And having begun to be a man once and for all going all out, full blast. Barely pausing to examine my Parent conceit, as it turned out. When do I get out of here? It doesn't matter. What does is that in spite of the hatred, the pain, the uncertainty, we must follow with firmness in the footsteps of the heart, always together in the struggle, facing hope and happy, happy, very happy. Please excuse my confused expression and ideas. There's a touch of fever and anxiety between my crazed hands and brain. What's more, according to the news, other comrades have been arrested. I enclose some poems from these last days where friends speak from their cells, only some of them. There are 320 of us. Will you give my regards to Mamet? and you take good care of your heart. Especially today, when America has many open doorways for you and your poetry. I won't take up any more of your precious time. Has the snow melted yet in Moscow? And I close these lines with an embrace. So long, may we keep on hauling up the morning. Roke Dalton, January.
0: 1960 Por las calles viene un canto anunciando amanecida
3: Al asunto compañeros Vamos muchachos vamos para arriba Al asalto, compañeros. Vamos, vamos muchachos, vamos para arriba. Fortalecer la unidad garantiza la victoria de un pueblo que se levanta
8: junto a la clase trabajadora. De un pueblo que se levanta junto a la clase trabajadora. A la carga, compañeros, que aquí la guitarra grita el salvador está venciendo vamos muchachos vamos para arriba anda carga compañeros que el salvador está venciendo vamos muchachos vamos para arriba
5: i have shut my balcony because i do not want to hear the weeping but from behind the gray walls Nothing else is heard but the weeping. There are very few angels that sing. There are very few dogs that bark. A thousand violins fit into the palm of my hand. But the weeping is an immense dog. The weeping is an immense angel. The weeping is an immense violin. The tears muzzle the wind. Nothing else is heard but the weeping.
9: wise one if you ever find yourself somewhere lost and surrounded by enemies who won't let you speak in your own language who destroy your statues and instruments who ban your umbu you're in trouble They ban your oom, boom, ba, boom. You in deep, deep trouble. Huh. Probably take you several hundred years to get out. At the bottom of the Atlantic Ocean, there's a railroad made of human bones. Black ivory, black ivory, black ivory, black
1: ivory. That was Amiri Baraka reading Wise One, the first poem in his book-length poem cycle. Wise, wise, wise. Each homophone there spelled differently. It was published in 1995 after many years of public recitations and revisions. He subtitles it the Griot's Song, and griots, as he explains, are a class of traveling poets, musicians, and storytellers who maintain a tradition of oral history in parts of West Africa. I've seen some griots perform with an instrument called a kora, And I wonder if Baraka ever recorded any of the poems with a chora as accompaniment. Uh, I have a number of different recordings by him, but they're all jazz-based, and so I'd be interested. If anybody knows of anything like that, Uh, do let me know.
2: Before that, we played a Garcia Lorca poem, Casita of the Lament, recited by Joan Baez and accompanied by Peter Shickely's music. The poem comes from a book entitled The Divan at Tamarit, which Lorca was working on getting published at the time of his execution in 1936. The poems in the book are all written in one of two Arabic forms, the Qasida and the Gasella, or Guzzle. The question's often raised, why did Lorca choose the medieval Arabic forms to write his 20th century modernist surrealist poems? One reason is that he cherished his identity as an Andalusian, having grown up in Granada, a city still haunted by its near millennium of Andalusi, or Muslim-Spanish history. Another reason, given by translator Robert Bly, is that Lorca, quote, adopted old Arab forms to help entangle that union of desire and darkness, which the Arabs loved so much, end quote. And he's right that this poem and the others in this book meditate on intersecting themes of love, life, death, sleep, and sorrow. And Lorca was going through a personal dark period during the tumultuous times of the Spanish Civil War, and the poems now resonate subtly with Lorca's own death at the hands of a firing squad of the Nationalists.
1: Before that, I read a poem by Roque Dalton called Letter to Nazem, which of course was an epistolary poem written from prison and addressed to Nazem Hikmet, whose poem from jail also began our set. Dalton was a Salvadorian poet and journalist. Like Hikmet, he was often jailed and exiled for his views and words, and like Lorca, he was executed by leftists who were ostensibly on his side of the struggle. We also transition from his poem with Cancion al El Salvador by Yolocambe Ita.
2: And with that, we close our set for this episode of The Pojo Show. Next Friday, which will be July 24th, we'll post our next episode in this series on the pandemic. The motif for that show will be death, the nadir of this series. Then in the show after that, we will present poems on fortitude and renewal.
1: Please, if you enjoyed the show, give us a thumbs up and a comment. If you have suggestions, we'd like to hear those too. And if you have recordings of your own poetry that might fit with the motif of any of our upcoming shows, let us know. And finally, to learn more about us and the Pojo Show, go to my website, JedediahSmith.net. And that's where we'll be posting some of those motifs, some of the... Topics that we're going to focus on. Um, we haven't quite done that yet, though. So feel free to suggest any. And uh, we'll certainly consider them.
2: So until next time, stay safe, cats and kittens.
1: And speak freely. Bongo's for Batty. Oh, well, I, was going I to jumped
2: the gun. Thing <laughs> Sorry. <here. laughs> or something else. Okay. Okay, we're okay. (laughs) No ho on the roho.